Oasis family, welcome to Wednesday night Bible study. I'm so excited you are tuning in. I know you normally watch on Sundays, but it's a seven-day week, so just dedicating a couple of hours on Sunday and maybe an hour on Wednesday night will prepare you for all that God has for you. We've been intentional about making sure that Wednesday night is much more of a Bible study, either going through a book of the Bible or going through certain topics that are in the Bible. I really believe that the Word of God, it, it's clear, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so some of us out there that are dealing with uncertainty or a lack of direction, it might be because we're just not diving in the Word of God Enough, And so I want to make sure on Wednesday night we are dedicated to that. And this particular Bible study we are going through is the parables of Jesus. Most of what Jesus said was in a parable. A lot of it was. And I really believe as we dive into what he was saying, there's some cultural and historical context that I really believe we can bring the light that will help us during this time we are in. Because this time is difficult, but I believe the word of God has some special nuggets of wisdom that will guide us not just in this season, but lead us to the next thing that God has for us in favor and blessing and all of the above. And so I'm excited for tonight. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, but we got another four by seven. Hey. Listen, listen, the last four by seven was five fire. If you don't know what a four by seven is, and you haven't watched the last one. That is four different speakers, seven minutes each. And you would have thought that I would have exhausted and depleted all of the anointing with the last four that I picked. But we are just getting started, y'all. Four by seven. I got four additional speakers tonight. I'm just going to introduce them one by one so you can clap your hands in the chat. Come on, put your hands together already. We got Brother Omar Butcher, everybody. Incredible man of God, father, one of my closest friends. Love you so much. He's going to be bringing the word. And don't get it twisted, because coming after him, we got Natasha Lewinia, everybody. Come on. Just makeup done perfect. Glory to the Lord on you. It's going to be a good night. We all know and love Natasha. And then we have caring, sweet baby Reisner. We have Anna Reisner, Adriana Reisner. She's amazing. Y'all have seen her speak before, and then you probably have cried to something she said before. Grown man wiping away tears as she delivers the word of the Lord. And then we have my brother Kyle Krause, everybody. Kyle is new to our staff and our team, but it just he's a guy you feel like you've known your whole life. You know what I mean? You want to be like him. Um, he just took up surfing. And come on, a brother about to hit the waves. I'm about to hit the waves. Just be out there, man. You know, I keep working out. You're going to see me in a wetsuit. Know that. You know, he just like, it was going good up until that. Like, you know, like that leader is like, everybody was laughing. And then just everybody's hearts just sank. Like, why do you have to? Hey, so hey, if you, I'm, I'm just being fun, okay? I'm not, I get it, you know? I get it, I've been working out. Just, just be, be, give me some grace, give me some grace. Hey, we're gonna read uh, before we have these incredible four speakers share what God uh, put on their heart. Um, I'm gonna read the whole passage because they might pick up on different uh, takes on it. And I really believe God has spoken to all of them. But this particular parable we're going through tonight is the parable of the vineyard workers. Other translations call it the parable of the 11th hour worker. And it is a powerful, powerful, and yet challenging passage of scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm reading from the NLT. Open up from Matthew chapter 20. I'm gonna be reading verses one through 16. Verse one says this, for the kingdom of, of heaven is like the landowner 
who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace. He's just down there at the grove and just chilling. And he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing, just walking around, checking to see who's doing nothing. And at five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again. His brother is traveling. He was just, okay. It's like, and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, how come you, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. Uh-oh. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only one hour, and yet you have paid them just as much, excuse me, and you have paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in this scorching heat. Come on with it. This is a perfect time. We're filming this. It's going to be 100 degrees every day this week. This is timely. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. The parable of the vineyard worker. This is a profound passage of scripture, and I really believe in this time where we can tend to look at what God's doing for other people or complain about what he's not doing for us. This passage of scripture is timely. I can't wait to hear what all four of these amazing speakers have to say and what God has spoken to them. Come on, put your hands together. The parables of Jesus before my God. Tough conversations are always difficult to have with people you truly love. But you know that you have to say it because you know in some way it will help provide some understanding. And here in Matthew chapter 20, I want to go back to chapter 19 because I feel like the conversation picked up from there a little bit. And we have Jesus having a difficult conversation with two groups of people. One, the rich young ruler who represents Judaism and his disciples, which represent the new vineyard, the church. And we read about the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and he's sharing with Jesus all the laws he has kept ever since the age of accountability as a Jewish boy, which be the age of 12. But Jesus sees his heart. Jesus, knowing the intents of his heart, asked the young man to do a difficult thing. In verse 21, Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The invitation. 
The rich young ruler is unable to part with his possessions. Pressed up against earthly riches and treasures in heaven, he chooses earthly riches over the kingdom of heaven. The Jews reject Jesus. In Judaism, money is seen to be associated with piety. In other words, the belief is that if you were successful or rich, then it's because you kept the law and therefore God is rewarding you. So the thinking is obey the law and you will be rewarded and made right with God. It wasn't his money Jesus was asking him to give up, but rather his belief that he could earn his way into the kingdom of heaven as a reward. He believed that if he kept the law, that he would be made right with God. Difficult conversation. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, I'll say it again, but this time in a different way. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then he says in verse 26, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Man cannot save himself. Only God can save us. So Jesus, in verse 27, the disciples are tracking with this conversation. Then Peter says to him, well, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And disciples are surely thinking our reward will be even greater than theirs. So Jesus gave them a parable to help them see the point. This is where we pick up in the conversation with Matthew 20. Parables, Jesus used parables to speak to the crowd. And often privately, he would give the meaning of the parable to his disciples. Parables help us when we lose our clarity about Jesus. Because when we can't see Jesus, we go blind. Parables help hearers to respond in faithfulness and maturity to the message of Christ and the promised kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 20, Jesus reveals that Jews and Gentiles in this new vineyard will share in the riches only inherited by his children. So the point is salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's an inheritance that we receive through the faith that we place in Jesus Christ. It's a priceless inheritance, Peter says. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change or decay. It's accomplished in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And once we are united in faith with Christ, we obtain this inheritance as part of our part of our salvation. The adoption is complete. You are now God's children. The assurance of this is that we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness that you are a child of God. In Romans 8, 15 through 17, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, the Hebrew word for father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to, aff to affirm that we are God's children. And God wanted you to be so sure of this that in Hebrews 6, 17, God says he has bound himself to his promise with an oath. God cannot lie. And he will not change his mind regarding salvation in Jesus. The promise is that all who call on the name of Christ shall be saved. The oath is that God would never change his mind with this. In the same way Abraham believed God, God counted him as righteous. We also look forward to this same promise. In Matthew 20 and 7, as Julian read earlier, the landowner went out again the 11th hour. This is odd. Landowners usually go into the morning to collect their workers for the day, but he goes out time and time again. The Bible says that in this day, in Hebrews 1, verse 1, chapter 2, 
these final days, Jesus will speak to us. God will speak to us through his son. Jesus says, when you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Believe in me and you shall be saved. Do not reject Jesus as the Jews did. God, our savior. Instead, receive the promise of eternal life when you believe and come to Jesus when you hear his voice. I'll end with this in Romans 10, 9 verses 13, 9 through 13. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it says you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. Tough conversation. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile now inherit the same promises. And God is the one who gives. He says, I give generously to those who call on him for everyone, Jew and Gentile, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has a harvest and in the harvest is his rest. But in the day that you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but come and find rest for your soul. heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So if I'm honest, this parable used to make me extremely mad because it just seemed so unfair. And I'm all about justice. To give you backstory, so my family used to live in London when I was ages one through five, and my mom and I used to take the bus when we had to go around town. And there was one day where I got on the bus, we got on the bus, and there was an older woman who got on. My mom and I were sitting down, and I saw her, and I just knew instinctively, like, I needed to give up my seat because I was an angel child. Um, another story is um, in elementary school, my older sister is five years older than me, and I found out that there was this kid who was uh, bullying her. And because I'm the sheriff in town, I don't know, I decided to confront him. So one day I went up to him and I said, if you don't leave my sister alone, I'm going to punch you in the nose. And if you can imagine, like, an squirrel like I was very cute but also like dangerously close to the ankles so I think he just left me alone because I was a liability but I say those two stories because like justice has just been something that I've always thought about fairness and when I read this parable I was just like talking to God like how could you do this this seems unfair how is this your kingdom side note do you ever talk to God and like you're praying and then you realize that you're coming at him kind of crazy so you try to be like all due respect like so sorry <laughs> But I just want to let you know, this is for free. I just want to let you know that God can handle the fullness of your emotions. And so whether you're mad or you're sad, like just go to him for it. Because you can be mad inside by yourself or you can do it with the creator of your emotions. So don't ever feel like you need to mute your emotions just because you think God can't handle it because he can. Back to the parable. So. Only recently, though, did I realize that this parable is actually about grace. And I think for me, grace has been so hard to conceptualize because I've used fairness and justice as my acceptable way of saying that I was works-based. And so I always put myself in the position of the workers who worked all day. But really, I am the 11th hour worker, entirely undeserving of God's grace. I have no real claim on the treasure that he's promised me. And when you look at your life in that sense, you really realize that 
we have no right to be complaining to God about some of the things that we complain to him about because it's truly by his grace that we are saved. And honestly, I thank God that he does not treat me based on my own merit because for every one act of justice I have, there's like 10 acts of injustice. Like the time that I accidentally knocked my little sister's tooth out. However, in my defense, we were both children and the tooth was already loose and I received God's grace. So we gotta move forward, we gotta move forward. But it's just so interesting to me that the workers were more focused on their performance and not on the landowner's grace. And I just rather serve a God who gives out of the richness of his character and not based on my performance because my performance is so inconsistent and I'm based on my own humanity, which really just never goes the same way that I want. One day it's one way, one day it's the other day. So I just thank God that he does not change and that it's based on his grace. And I know that I will one day, probably tomorrow, probably today, need that grace and generosity from God. And I just feel like we have a poverty poverty mentality when it comes to God. Like we're so focused on what other people receive and we feel like he has a finite amount of what he can offer to other people. And honestly, some of y'all might be watching me like, what does Natasha have that she's on that stage? Like what did God give her that I don't have? Fun fact, nothing. Like I don't have anything that you don't have. I'm just operating in the grace that God has given me and I'm just going on a journey of grace with God each day. And um, I just feel like God has given us each gifts that he wants to unwrap with us. And we devalue the gift that God has given us when we're so focused on what he's given other people. Here's an example. So say Oasis is giving out Teslas. We're not, so please don't email. But say that we are. And say that Anna and Kyle applied like two seconds before the giveaway ended and they both got their brand new Tesla Model S's and Omar and I are over here like to Julian like oh so you're just giving out Teslas like you're just giving people Teslas meanwhile we each have Teslas in our driveway and so it's like why am I carrying what God gave them why am I not driving 65 miles an hour on the 405 trying to learn how to operate my panoramic sunroof while my car drives for me like that's what it sounds like but there's times where I've paid and I'm like man you gave Julian this prophetic gift like Where's mine? Like, where is my gift? And God is like, sweet daughter, baby angel, I gave you that gift of prophecy. Why don't you sit with me and we can talk about the gifts that I've given you? Why don't you sit with me and we can unwrap all of the gifts that I've given you? And I feel like somebody who's watching this right now, like you are an evangelist and you are so critical to the coming revival that's coming to LA. And you're sitting watching YouTube videos and listening to podcasts of evangelists that you love, which is great, but God's also like, I put that in you. I gave you that gift. I wanna unwrap that with you. And there's so many gifts in people's hearts who are watching and just all of us in this room that we're so focused on what other people have. Let's not devalue what God has given us. God has entrusted us with so much and we are each critical to the, to the plan that he has for humanity. It's in each of us. So um, just thinking back on this parable, the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. I used to think that it was about works. I used to think that it was about justice and fairness, but it's about grace. It's always been about grace. I am so
so excited tonight. Let's just go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, and it's not me, although I have gained some weight. It is my son! And he is amazing and wonderful and beautiful, and I love him so, 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 so much. But also, y'all, he is very, very active. And literally, I can be moving, and he's moving. I'm not moving, and he's moving. I'm sleeping, and he's moving. <laughs> but fun fact is, every night, Clayton will sing him a bedtime song. And he's like moving around, doing whatever it is he's doing in there. And then Clayton will start singing. And it's like he completely just stops and just like soaks in the moment. And it's almost like they just get to have this moment together. And then as soon as Clayton is done singing, he's back to moving and doing whatever he's doing. But I just get this picture of the landowner in this parable as the father in heaven wanting to have a moment and seeking us out to have this moment with us. So let's just jump into a little bit of context. Uh, the people, the vineyard workers, um, would go out to the market each and every day. They didn't necessarily have like a trade or a profession, and that's why they had to go out into the market. That's the catch. And they would just have these hopes, the hopes that someone would hire them. Someone, anyone, would just hire them for the day. And their hopes were in their resume, their list of qualifications, their views on their vlogs, their um, <laughs> followers on their Instagrams. And they hoped that one of these things <laughs> would catch the attention of the people who would launch them into their next season. Oh, and they knew exactly who was going to launch them into their next season because the headhunters and the talent scouts and these um, managers and all these people were the, also the people that went to the market every single day. And so kind of like what Omar said, is it wasn't a thing for a landowner or uh, the, the boss to be out in the market, let alone five times in one day. And so to me, after reading this, one of the only logical reasons <laughs> would be that they didn't notice him because they were so busy looking for validation in the familiar faces that they saw every day that they weren't familiar enough with the face of a father who just wanted to give them affirmation. And so now hear my heart, hear my heart. I'm not saying these people are bad. All I am saying is that Jesus had not done one single thing but be baptized when the voice of God from heaven reached down and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He didn't say uh, these things that he's done. That's, that's what I'm pleased in. All these, all these miracles, all these things, that's what I'm pleased No, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. But that's a whole other message, so I'll just leave this right here. Back to the parable. Um, what really caught my attention is the last group of guys. It's 5 p.m. There's one more hour left in the workday after all the managers and the supervisors and publishers had all left. And at that point in the day, I would have thrown in the towel. I would have been like, we've been out here 11 hours by now. We have been looked over and ignored. Nothing good is going to come out of this. I'm out. I'm done. I want to know where that guy is in the story because that's, that's me. I'm, I'm that one. So yet they weren't about to leave. They weren't hanging out, making plans and for what they were going to do after this. But also there was like no incentive for them to still be there. Like at that point, they would have only been getting one twelfth of the daily wage. Wow. Like you think about that in today's minimum wage terms, that would have only been $15 by 
before California taxes. And so they were still actively standing. And if you catch my drift, I'm still, like, my mind is blown that they were still standing. Like, I would have at least sat down by then. But he caught them still standing. And because my mind is still blown, I just want to dive into that a little bit more. So I looked up the word stand used here in the Greek, and it means to cause or make to stand. It's almost like forcing yourself to do something you absolutely do not want to do. So why did they keep standing? Why were they seemingly forcing themselves to stand there one more hour? It's almost as if they had some sort of anticipation that there was something more. When they came to the end of themselves, when everyone else had left, (laughs) there had to be something more. It's almost as if they knew if they sat down, they would never be ready for whatever was about to walk through that door. So I don't know if some of you have sat down in this season. If you've given up, if you've thrown in the towel, if you said nothing good is going to come from standing here one more hour, I'm going to invite you to get back up and stand one more hour with me. So I just want to encourage you to eagerly anticipate Despite everything, this is the hour. It's 5 p.m. This is the hour. Maybe it took you a while to recognize the face of the Father, but this is the hour. And I just want to lastly remind you that at the very end of the parable, it didn't matter what the workers had done or not done. God leveled the playing field. So it might look right now like the world is crashing down around you. Just stand one more hour. It might look right now like you won't be able to make rent this month. Just stand one more hour. It might look right now that you will never find your boothing in the middle of a pandemic. Let's be real. But just stand one more hour. It might look like your marriage is falling apart right now. But just stand one more hour because he's seeking out a moment with us recognize his face and just stand one more hour. Wow. Can we just give it up one more time for all these amazing, amazing. I don't know what I'm going to speak on now. Um, But hey, uh, I want to real quick just frame uh, this idea with what are you counting? I mean, let's just be honest. This parable is pretty frustrating, right? (laughs) I mean, it's pretty uh, discouraging if I'm like the first crew that was hired. I mean, let's just for a minute put ourselves in the parable. I just started work. I was hired in the morning. I'm grinding, working all day. Got sunburn on my neck. My body aches, I'm hurting, and the day's about to finish, and all I have to do is just get paid. And before I get paid, I see the last crew that joined us, and they're getting paid first. So now I'm like, okay, I'm confused. Why, why are they getting paid before me? I mean, I was the first one here. I mean, I did all the work. I mean, all the stuff that we accomplished today, that was because of me. But hey, it's okay. Like, they're going to get hired first. Like, it'll be cool. And so the last crew that just came in, they get, they get their, their paycheck, and they're super excited because they maybe work for 30 minutes, 
maybe worked to an hour, and they got paid a full day's wage. And so I'm, I'm kind of confused because I'm like, man, that's, that's weird. But then I start getting excited because I'm like, oh, well, if the landowner is giving them a full day's wage, how much more will he give me? So I'm excited because the landowner is generous. Then I get my paycheck, and it's the same amount that these guys got paid. What are you counting? I mean, that's super discouraging. I mean, why? Why, why would Jesus do that? Why would he explain his kingdom in this way? Why would he explain his rule and his reign with this parable? Like, that doesn't make sense. Why? Maybe we count the wrong things as Christians. Maybe we miss the point. You see, in Matthew chapter 19, the disciples, they kind of got a few years under their belt, walking with Jesus, and they're like, yo, Jesus, we've been following you for this long. We've sacrificed this much. What is going to be our Reward and Jesus responds with this parable. What are you counting? Are you counting your work or are you counting his? Are you counting your goodness or are you counting his? Are you counting all that you've sacrificed or are you counting his? What are you counting? Maybe the problem with this parable is we associate ourselves with the first crew instead of the last crew. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the Christian that just tries to outdo grace all the time. Outtry grace. Okay, Jesus, you saved me, but I'm going to try to like button up and try to do my thing and try to earn grace and earn favor on my life. Maybe we associate ourselves with the wrong crew. I wonder how our Christianity might change if we actually recounted all that God has done for me. I want to be the kind of Christian that wakes up every day, just thinks about the good news, the gospel, and it's breaking news over my life. And I just go to my phone and I open up my phone and I see, alert, breaking news, Kyle Krause, insert your name, God loves you. Breaking news, Kyle Krause, I've still called you. Breaking news, Kyle Krause, those gifts I've given you, I know you did that crazy thing the other night, but hey, I've still given them to you and I have a plan and a purpose for you. In times like this, 2020, I need some breaking news that's actually good news. The good news is just as good, man. We gotta recount what God's given to us. What are you counting? Are you counting your work or are you counting his? When's the last time the gospel was breaking news to you? Breaking news, Jesus still loves me. Breaking news, Jesus is still for me. Breaking news, Jesus still wants to use me, not because of me, in spite of me. Breaking news, he wants to use broken people to accomplish his perfect will. Breaking news, God, you are so good. I want to finish with this because I feel like this is the kind of community that Jesus wants us to be. You see, it says this in uh, the parable. It says, why should, should you be jealous because I am kind to others? And man, that one convicted me because I wonder how many times I'm looking at God blessing other people and I start asking God, God, where are you? How come you're not blessing me? Like, God, I've been in the vineyard all day. 
I've been working. Look, I got this ache. I got this sunburn because of my sacrifice for you. And then just that verse, should you be jealous because I am kind to others. Oasis Church, I don't want to be the kind of person that just gets mad because Jesus is kind to somebody else. Here's a good reminder to remember. When you start getting mad that God is blessing others, you got to remember what Jesus has done for you. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You didn't do anything to obtain it. God's grace is just so big and it's so good that all you have to do is rest in it. What are you counting? Thanks. Man, that was amazing. That was amazing. I was literally taking notes the whole time. Can you please put some claps in the chat for our amazing four speakers? Good Lord. Man, I was taking notes on my phone. My battery was fully charged before y'all started preaching. Y'all, the, the anointing sucked the life out of my iPhone, man. I have no, I have no battery left. It was just unbelievable. Um, Omar, when you were talking about uh, the landowner going out over and over again and your ability to point that scripture towards the gospel, you literally unpack the gospel message. And I think believers don't understand the gospel enough. I think we raise our hands at the end of a, three, of a service and we have tears and somebody counts to three and we think we're done. But the fact that every scripture points to Jesus and when you talk about the landowner doesn't go out in the morning, it, it, he doesn't do that. And so it just made me think even like, Christine and I believe in that, you know, even though we live in LA, you know, that we're, we're gonna own homes and our staff's gonna, well, we gotta be a different kind of landowner. You know what I mean? Like we, we gotta be different. And I'm just like, man, that was just so profound. And just your ability to tie all of that together with the gospel message was, was huge, man. I'm glad we started off with Brother O. Yeah. And then come on, man, don't sleep on Natasha. You were like, when we focus on what God is giving other people, we lose sight of what he has given us. And you said, the Lord said, why don't you sit with me so we can unwrap the gifts? Isn't it interesting that we celebrate? I think about Christmas and we celebrate Christmas by unwrapping gifts with our family. You know, you imagine if you put gifts under the tree and your kids just came home, took the gift and went to see, and just walked out with the door with it and went to see what everybody else got for Christmas? Will you be upset? Sit with me and unwrap the gift I have given you. It just made me think of when we're not aware of the gifts that we have, it's because we're not sitting with God and unwrapping them. It's custom to wrap gifts. I just thought it was just such a profound thought. And then, man, you know, Anna, you know, Adriana, you're just so fire. Dude, I was like, you have to like keep from fainting when she preaches because it's always just soft and kind. I have a hard time listening to Anna because you're fighting back tears. So I'm trying to listen and like not cry. Oh my gosh, man. Can you stand one more hour with the Lord? Ooh, I feel like walking off, man. I done sat down so many times, man. I want to sit down. Can you stand one more hour with the Lord? And if you are exhausted and burnout and tired, this is the hour. Good Lord. And then Kyle just, you know, just destroyed. I, I don't even know what was going on. I got confused after Kyle's like, dude, should I, should I quit? Like, Lord, are you asking, are you asking me to resign all these people? Like, 
So I, I didn't hear half his message because I was like making sure I, he still wants me to be pastor. <laughs> with, with that close, what are we counting? Man. What are we counting? And I just love that thought. What are we counting? What are yeah. we counting that means that God is for us? What are we counting that means we've received his grace? And it just is so, that spoke to me as a leader because the first church leader that um, God sent out was Peter. And he, that conversation was uh, when Jesus forgave Peter, he asked Peter to feed his sheep, not count them. And I just think that so many times as a pastor, we can get into counting and not feeding. Wow. And so I just appreciate that thought. Man, I hope you guys took notes. We're going to put these on YouTube and I'm going to watch them and just type up a, a resignation. I'm not going to send it, <laughs> but I'm going to type it up just in case this keeps happening because this is a sign I got to go somewhere. Listen, I'll, or maybe I'll just take six months off and give it to them, man. But this was unbelievable. I'm so proud of y'all. Can we give it up one more time for our, our four speakers? And uh, I, I want to encourage you to watch, I, I know I'm joking, but I want to encourage you to watch these over and, and over again because they, the way that they all, God used them all together is a very unified thing. And, and this is something where in this season, man, we're, we're going to get all that God has for us. We got to take the word of God seriously. Yeah. And, and, and they weren't messing around. They heard from the Lord. And so receive that, uh, honor that by, by taking it in and not letting this be something where a couple weeks from now, they're like, yeah, that was really good. What was that again? No, nah, man, we got to get this in our heart. And so I can't wait to see uh, how God continues to use uh, this parable of Jesus Bible study. Well, I love you. I love all of you. I love you watching. This was amazing. Come on, put your hands together, make some noise, and we will see you at our Sunday service. Love you so much, and I'll see you soon.